back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online and apps. In episode 107, we discuss NBC plans on launching a new streaming service next year, latest details on the rights to the International Champions Cup, BN Sports comes out strong against illegal piracy, ESPN Plus and Goal TV pick up more soccer TV rights, plus letters from you listeners in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined, uh, as always, by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya, but not as always in India. So, Kartik, uh, you're in India now. How is it? Well, you just landed. Yeah. <laughs> You've been there before many times, but how, how does it feel to be back in India? It, it, um, I will get used to it, I guess, after we're done with this podcast. I just landed from Dubai, uh, where the Asian Cup's been going on, and I've been in and around the tournament. Not in the tournament, I'm not playing, but around the tournament the last several days. been there uh, four days, so uh, been qu- quite interesting. And, uh, interesting that we're going to bring up the end in today's pod, uh, uh, Chris, because uh, being in UAE for a couple days, uh, as... Uh, uh, I, I've heard complaints about BN and Al Jazeera being removed from, from television in that country uh, from some folks, uh, particularly with the Asian Cup going on. Uh, gives me a little bit of perspective about this whole uh, fight we're going to talk about with, with the Saudis as well. So let's start off by talking about the Asian Cup, Kartik, because um, it's uh, it's been news worldwide in terms of you know what's been happening with uh, I mean Australia, India, I mean all the, all these countries, Iran, etc. But the reality is, is for most, well, actually for all of the all of the soccer fans in the United States, uh, it's not on television. It's not on television. It's not on streaming. Uh, in previous years, it was. I think it was on uh, One World Sports. Uh, I think before that too. It, it's pretty much always been available, except this this competition has not. So for a lot, a lot of us, we've been reading about the results. You have the chance. You've had the opportunity, Kartik, to watch uh, some of the games. Um, what for you has been the the level of football been like, and what's the level of c- uh, coverage like uh, overseas on on that the tournament? Level of coverage has been pretty uh, pretty intense uh, in uh, the Asian media, obviously, and in the Middle East. Uh, pretty high in the English language press too. Oh, well, not English language in the British press. Uh, English language press in the U.S. Uh, it's not existent, obviously. Uh, Australian press, it's it's very active. The level of the play has been a mixed bag. There have been some entertaining open matches uh, and then some just absolute duds. Uh, the Iran-Iraq match last night was a nil-nil draw. Uh, Iran is, is one of the favorites in this tournament, obviously given how, how well they performed in the World Cup, how unfortunate they were not to go through. Uh, they won their group. They already had six points, um, and they played for a draw last night. I think the, the key thing I'm seeing right now uh, in this tournament is it reminds me a lot of the CONCACAF Gold Cup in that you have a lot of aspiring football nations, uh, a lot of uh, countries that have not necessarily performed well in in these sorts of international tournaments before, uh, but have made a new dedication to this uh, and increased tournament size. It's 24 teams, just like the Gold Cup's going to be 16 teams uh, this go-around. The Euros expanded to 24 teams. So it's a real mixed bag. Australia and Japan have both struggled to this point. Neither have played particularly well. Uh, I think Iran, until last night, had played very well. Uh, there have been just some other uh, surprises in the tournament. But in general, the, um, the level hasn't been great. I, I expect it will, uh, uh, it will pick up in the knockout stages. And you know we're going to talk a little bit about Spurs and, and uh, Man United today. The fact that Sun uh, was able to stay with Spurs through the group stage 
because South Korea was confident in progression and, and they have progressed, uh, says a lot about uh, how seriously the top countries take the group stage. So Japan has not played well uh, in this tournament, but um, my guess is that, and we, know, we saw how good Japan was during the World Cup, right? Obviously, this, this past summer. My guess is that these countries, uh, Japan, Iran, South Korea, and Australia will turn it on. Uh, in the knockout stage, although I have, I have to say Australia, it's been a downward trajectory for a while now, so perhaps uh, what we've seen in the group stage from them, the concerns we've seen in the group stage uh, are, are just very legitimate. Australia seems to mirror the United States a lot, Chris, when it yeah. comes down to it. In many ways, both on the pitch and off the pitch in terms of uh, yeah. even the, the, the league structure, promotion yeah. relegation, I mean, a lot of the same uh, issues that we're, we're dealing with here. So, and, and similarly, the last thing I'll point out uh, before we move on, similarly to, to the United States, Australia has a number of football fans, soccer fans, that have just checked out on the domestic league for those reasons mm-hmm. and are watching European football or watching uh, uh, the Premier League in Serie A, the two most popular leagues down there. I was talking to some folks about it in, in this, this week, and uh, uh, they said it's very similar. You know, comparing notes, Australia and the United States have some of the same issues uh, in terms of their national team program, in terms of the domestic league, in terms of that that then not satisfying the cravings for true football fans who then go seek um, uh, football from Europe, uh, club football from Europe. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's something we explore further. I, if I'd been in Dubai longer, I might have explored this whole Australia-U.S. parallel a little more. I mean, it's something that had, has come to mind in the past, but now I'm really thinking about it after the last few days and a couple of the conversations I've had. So, so the big match, Kartik, and this one you caught overseas uh, on television would have been uh, Tottenham against Man United. Unfortunately, I missed the game. Um, my daughters, uh, so we had, I think, three games this past weekend. So it was kind of back-to-back uh, travel soccer, and I did not get as much chance uh, to watch um, live games as I, uh, as I normally would. I did, I did catch the highlights on this one. But what was your impression of the game itself, but also in terms of uh, the coverage that you saw overseas? Yeah, so um, I actually arrived in India, uh, basically watched uh, game Saturday and Sunday, and then left for Dubai um, and the Asian Cup the last uh, last few days. So the last thing I saw before um, getting on the airplane uh, and leaving uh, leaving India was this first Man United match, and uh, we had Peter Drury and Jim Beglin calling the match here uh, for the Indian, well, for I think for the international audience for most of the world uh, through Premier League Productions, and it was. Um, very different. And now maybe again, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. I, I don't know. But um, it, it, we've talked about Arlo White you know, on this podcast a lot, Chris. Um, I don't want to beat up on uh, on him, but it, it, it just it had a very different. I felt like I was getting a proper call uh, and a proper kind of just international call for this match with, with Peter Drury doing it, along with Jim Beckman, who was fantastic, right? Um, but there were. There was so much that happened in this match in terms of Spurs opportunities, uh, Man United scoring the great counterattacking goal, uh, etc. And so much of the match didn't need overemphasis or overexcitement or or um, being overcalled. So I I, I really appreciated listening uh, to Peter Drury's call, and I'm curious if some of our listeners maybe can write in, let us know how uh, how Arlo White's call was on the game. But it, it reminded me of what we're missing for some big games in uh, um, in the U.S. There was one game this weekend. Um, I'm not sure which one it was, actually. It might have been Chelsea-Newcastle. And I tuned in late to this one and uh, caught it kind of um, basically, I mean, maybe, I don't know, 10th minute or something like that. And there was silence. And I thought, 
That's strange. That, that, I'm not used to hearing silence uh, during a game, kind of a pause, kind of a, I mean, uh, kind of someone to, to actually take a pause, especially when Ola White is commentating. And sure enough, within a couple of seconds, Ola White kind of uh, chimed in and kept on going about some stat or something. But I, I just thought for a second, it was refreshing to actually hear that, that kind of pause, hear the crowd noise, just enjoy what, you, what, what you're seeing in front of you uh, on the TV screens. And it doesn't need to be painted out, you mean, every little detail. Radio, yes. And, and that's his background. His background is BBC Radio, uh, Ola White, and um, did a lot of cricket, did a lot of uh, you know, English football, British football. Um, so his background, his, his MO, you mean, his, his, um, you mean, his experience really has been formative in those formative years on radio. And, and I think that's part of the... Part of the why some of us have have an issue with the transition. The other part of it is that it's a very American style. So it's a radio style, but it's also a very American. Um, and JP Delacamera, I love, but JP's got a similar style too. He's very talkative, tells stories, and JP comes from a radio background, and also you mean American soccer too. So he's you mean different type of style. Um, but for Kartik, so from this past week, though, too, I mean, so that was the Spurs Man United game. Uh, there were many others that you saw, I'm sure. But uh, was there one standout game, the one game that kind of rose to the top as, as your favourite game of the week? It's got to be Leeds Derby just because of the build-up with uh, Spygate or whatever it's being called. And then I thought it was a really good game. Leeds came out, they, they could have had a penalty in the first minute, uh, uh, but... Uh, uh, Kmart Roof was fouled, was, uh, was flagged for offside. I think it was Kmart Roof that was fouled. But um, it, it was a really, um, it just had this, because of the backdrop of Spikey, and then you obviously have Leeds top of the table, Darby chasing, you know, they're in a playoff spot, maybe chasing automatic promotion. It had this, this real big game feel, but I think much of it was driven by the, the Spygate narrative, which um, hasn't let up. I mean, uh, the whole time I was in Dubai, right? I was there for four days. Uh, you know, I'm hearing about the Elsa all the time there. Uh, and so it, this seems, certainly seems to have uh, um, you know, overtaken the Asian Cup, overtaken, I think, what's going on in the Premier League, overtaken just everything, the transfer market in the last few days in terms of uh, people uh, and, uh, talking about it in conversations. And uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that we're going to have any finality on, on the issue. I just hope people can listen and appreciate that there are, there are cultural differences at the same time when you come to a country, there are accepted practices for, um, for how football is, is conducted in certain countries, you know, in England, for example. So, um, I, I don't know, it's just incredible, this whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, so, so, so a couple of things here, Kartik. First up is, um, let me read out one of the questions or one of the, the feedback from the listeners. This is from Tim Keane. Uh, he sent in an email and he said, I recently both, uh, recently both of you have been on, on a championship love affair. And, and let me pause it right there. My favorite game of the week, Kartik, also was Leeds United against Derby. Um, again, we, we don't kind of check beforehand. We kind of just do the podcast live. So we don't know whose who's, who's favorite is. But mine was also that for, for, for probably different reasons. But I'll guess that in a minute. So Tim Keane goes on to say, I can understand Christopher as he's a Swansea fan and perhaps Kartik since his uh, Bundesliga is on vacation. But if your game of the week is not Spurs against Man United, I will really believe you are biased against the Premier League. This game shows why it is the Premier League. 
And so, I, I, again, I didn't see the game live. I saw the highlights. From the highlights alone, there's incredible saves, drama, uh, you mean, end-to-end. Um, United had chances, too. But, uh, but Kartik, why would you say that, that the Leeds-Derby match was um, more entertaining or, or your game of the week uh, versus the, the Spurs-Man United match? I'm not sure about entertaining. The Premier League is the most entertaining sports league on the planet. But part of the reason it's so entertaining is there are a lot of bad giveaways in midfield and there's a lot of bad defending in the league. And I saw a lot of bad defending from Manchester United in this match. Uh, albeit, you know, De Gea had some dramatic saves. A lot of the shots were right at him. Let's be honest about it. Uh, but he made some, some some very good saves. I thought it was a very good game. Uh, I, I probably would put it second on the list this week. But Leeds Darby had just this this incredible drama around it, this, uh, this backstory uh, going on. Obviously, United uh, Spurs had the potential Pochettino jumping to United backstory, although Solskjaer keeps winning. Uh, he's going to be the manager uh, next season for United, at least start the season as manager. But I, I just felt like this had more, this leads Darby game. I also have to say one, one other thing uh, about this, and this is unfortunately uh, an ongoing story. Now we're talking about late March at the earliest Spurs home matches just don't have the atmosphere when they're being played at Wembley. So they could be playing the, the North London Derby against uh, um, Arsenal. They could be they could be top of the table facing Manchester United, which is the gold standard in English football, uh, the biggest club in uh, in English football. United and Liverpool, two biggest clubs. Um, and it still doesn't feel right. Uh, if this match had been in Whitehart Lane, uh, if this match were at the new stadium, it might have felt better. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm just over the Wembley thing, as are, I think, so many people. And uh, Pochettino, if Pochettino jumps, guys, it's because of the stadium situation. I, I just think that there's a lot more that we don't know that might come out about how Spurs spending is going to be restricted, how Spurs might have liability issues, legal issues uh, that restrict spending. So uh, keep an eye on this space. So the reason for me picking Leeds against Derby as my match of the week was um, really the big reason for the attractiveness of the championship and Leeds United is how open-ended the games are. Um, And that's the other thing, too, about about these matches, especially especially when it's Leeds, but but, um, very much the championship, uh, too, is that the positions on the pitch don't seem to be as rigid and, and as restrictive as they are in, say, the Premier League or, or Serie A. There seems to be a lot more movement, uh, I mean, players switching positions, being out of position, and it ends up being a more fluid game. Uh, it's also more feisty, too, because the refs uh, aren't as strict and, and they're letting things uh, I mean, go a little bit longer. Um, so the refereeing, you could argue, is not as good. Uh, but actually, it adds to the, to some extra spice to the games, and at the end of the day, it, it is more entertaining. I I, I feel and uh, I felt this way for the last couple of months. Uh, the other thing Carter got out of this game too too was um, Jack Clark, and this this guy is so good. If if you haven't had a chance to watch him, listeners, uh, definitely check out one of these Leeds United matches too. He's been uh, rated as one of the top ten um, young youth players in England, but he's so good. He's such a breath of fresh air, uh, playing on the right wing, uh, eighteen years old. Uh, he's come through the Leeds Academy, and oftentimes he's come on as a substitute. And this is, I think, it's his first start for Leeds United. And then, other than David Brooks at Bournemouth, right now Jack Clark is one of my favourite players to watch uh, in football worldwide. Just a really entertaining, uh, fantastic footballer, dribbler, kind of old school uh, cross, great crosser of the ball, and has a, sh- a shot on him too. 
So in many ways, too, and we talked about this last week, is that the championship is almost like going back in time to some of the things we loved about the Premier League so much. And uh, yeah, it wasn't the most entertaining game in terms of Derby. I thought I thought Derby uh, could have uh, at least given Leeds a bit of an extra push and kind of... Uh, I mean, when Leeds went 2-0 up, I think it felt pretty safe that they would go on to win this match. But um, but then with Spygate, who knows, Kartik? I mean, maybe Frank Lampard thought, OK, hey, you mean they, they know everything, every trick in the book in terms of what we're, how we're setting up. And we've got an FA Cup game against Southampton replay. So yeah, maybe we say, save our energy for that one, which which they went on to, to beat uh, Southampton and knock them out of the uh, third round. Yeah, although Lampard was still carrying out about Bielsa in the pre-match and post-match uh, in that FA Cup yeah. replay. So but, but, uh, that. But, but, that's, but that's the other thing, the two cards. I mean, one of the reasons we love the Premier League so much is that off-the-pitch drama, that soap opera side of things. And, I mean, this is one of the biggest stories of the year in terms of Spygate with um, Bielsa admitting that he's he's had people, his staff have gone ahead and, and spied on training sessions for every single club in the championship. You mean gone into the training sessions or kind of been on the outskirts with binoculars or however they've been doing it, but spying on the training sessions. Uh, my take on it, Kartik, is that um, it's nothing wrong with it in terms of it's not it, it, it's poor sportsmanship, but there's nothing legally wrong with it. There's no rule um, that says you can't shouldn't be spying on your other team's um, um, training sessions. But even even on on a kind of a travel team perspective, if if we saw you mean kind of an opposition coach coming to one of our training sessions and, and watching our girls or our boys play. You mean it would get a little bit feisty? We'd be like, "Hey, get out of here! You don't belong here." But at the, at the end of the day, um, there's, there's no rule against it. So, you mean why not? I think Kartik. Uh, so, we anything else from this past week uh, you want to point out? Anything else that uh, jumped out at you? Yeah, let me concur with you on on uh, Jack Clark. Uh, what a phenomenal player, and what a joy he's been to watch, uh, particularly over this uh, this uh, festive period. Uh, yeah, so Everton Bournemouth was was uh, kind of interesting just to watch it again. I was in India that morning before I left for Dubai. Uh, it was uh, uh, John Champion and, and uh, David Pruden on the call, who I think you probably got in the States also. Yeah. Uh, but then our, our Premier League studio was Steve Bauer, uh, and they had Teddy Sheringham, who obviously has played for both Spurs and, and Man United, uh, connected with both clubs. And uh, uh, Tim Sherwood in the studio, who's a, a, a very, uh, very partial to Spurs, uh, of course. And it, it was an interesting discussion because I think what I'm so used to from NBC now is that you get this kind of objective discussion without anyone connected to clubs, right, in, in the studio. And um, obviously Steve Bauer is connected to Manchester United also, uh, but he never showed that in his, his time with, uh, with NBC. Didn't really show it in this studio either. But then, you know, Sheringham was brought in for kind of, you know, what's the Man United perspective he played with, with Sol Skyer? You, know, you and him scored the two most famous goals in club history, or recent club history, obviously, in 99. Uh, and, uh, and then Sherwood with the Spurs perspective. And it was, a, it was different to see that dynamic at halftime of a match and then in the pregame and the buildup. It's halftime of the Bournemouth Everton match. It was not about that match. It was about Spurs. Um, and United coming up after that, mm-hmm. and then in the build-up uh, in the pregame show to Spurs United, that it was it was very much about engaging guys who are partial 
uh, to one of the clubs that are playing. So that that's kind of which, different than how we're doing things in NBC. Yeah, which can work pretty well at times. We've we've seen this in the past before too, where even players or former players are a little bit too close to the club and don't want to criticize. Or then you get someone like Paul Scholes, who you mean obviously very close to the club, but doesn't mind. You mean. Ian, talking about Jose and talking about how, how bad he was or how, how they set up. So it, it can work and it can't work depending on the individual. So it sounds like Kartik then in terms of the coverage that you were seeing with Steve Bauer presenting, that that would have been from the Premier League productions. So kind of the worldwide feed, um, which is usually a very good studio set. Um, I mean, so they're taping it or doing it live uh, in London and then beaming it across the world. Um, and for the, from the coverage I've seen from Premier League, Premier League Productions, it's good. It's it's it's. Uh, I mean, they have uh, reporters in the stadiums. They have reporters in in the press conferences. Uh, and for those broadcasters that may not have the talent or may not have um, the capabilities or re- resources to do, have their own production, oftentimes it's better just to have, say, Premier League Productions just use the world feed for. I mean, the, the pre-match, halftime, and post-match. And you I mean it's it's a lot easier to, to deal with. NBCO obviously have gone with uh, their own talent and their own crew and their own identity, which is different than Premier League Productions. But um, but interesting decision there, and it's interesting that you were able to catch that uh, on your travels. All right, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. Yeah, uh, so speaking of NBC, uh, they're finally jumping into the streaming wars, uh, announcing a new service to compete with Netflix and Amazon Prime and and all these other uh, streaming services. Launching in 2020, the new NBC streaming product is an ad-supported service available for free to its paid TV subscribers in the U.S. It'll be available for for a fee without ads, whether you're a paid TV subscriber or not. Uh, Comcast, which owns NBC, will provide the streaming service to their 53 million, 52 million global subscribers, potentially uh, making it the largest of the new streaming services when it launches next year. Uh, for us, the reality is too soon to know what kind of impact this will have on NBC's coverage of the Premier League. It's possible it could end up uh, with no live coverage on the streaming service, uh, making it you know, kind of useless for people like us. Or maybe uh, the, the stuff we have on gold now gets uh, folded into it. Uh, who knows? But uh, it's, it's something that we definitely need to keep an eye on over the next uh, 12 months. Yeah, it's interesting too because they actually have two models with this. Uh, as you mentioned, Kartik, they have the it's going to be free for pay TV subscribers. So if you subscribe to, you mean Comcast or DirecTV or whichever channel, as long as you have a deal with NBC, you would get that for free. But for cord cutters, uh, you could go ahead and actually watch it, watch it, or subscribe to that service uh, for a fee. We're not sure what that, how much that fee will be. Or if you want to go ahead and get it uh, without the commercials, you would, and you're subscribed to, say, DirecTV or UVerse or Comcast, whatever it is, uh, you could pay a little bit extra to have it without ads. So it's interesting in terms of the developments that what NBC is uh, thinking of doing here. It makes sense to contact with, with you mentioning about Comcast, um, which owns NBC, is that if they offer this streaming app uh, for free to all of their Comcast subscribers, 52 million people globally uh, w- would have the um, would have this uh, streaming service, making it the number one. But at the end of the day, we don't know whether or not it's going to be live programming um, as well as on-demand. On-demand for sure, but uh, the live question is the big one. And uh, if it is live, then 
I mean, does that then get rid of NBC Sports Gold or do you need NBC Sports Gold plus the streaming service in order to get access to everything? We'll have to wait and see. And we probably won't know until probably the summer or uh, fall of 2019 um, once more information is released about this. So uh, that's one to watch. Now, talking about uh, TV and streaming, uh, we've got some details about some of the rights that are out there. So ESPN Plus has picked up the rights to the Scottish FA Cup, which begins Friday with Cowden Beef against Rangers. Uh, Also, Gold TV has picked up the rights to the Dutch KNVB Cup, uh, which will be televised uh, next week in the U.S. Uh, previously, being Sports Connect had those rights, but uh, so Gold TV you can get through Fubo if you don't have it through your cable or, or uh, satellite TV provider. The other news is that International Champions Cup rights uh, expired, uh, ended in August when the tournament ended, and according to my sources, uh, ESPN is very close to renewing those rights. So it looks like International Champions Cup um, for this summer and probably and probably for the next couple of years will probably return to ESPN. But until that deal is done, we won't know for sure. And um, once the deal is done, we'll, we'll go ahead and announce it on this podcast and, and I'm sure on the website too. Now, Kartik, uh, some big news uh, from the Middle East and, and overseas, which... Uh, has a has a has a has an impact on the United States, but is really felt more so in the Middle East. And we're Chris, we're taping this ironically enough, just as uh, Saudi Arabia and Qatar are kicking off in the Asian Cup. So, uh, real ir- irony about this. Uh, and I've, I've just, as, as uh, I said at the outset, just landed back from Dubai and, and the Asian Cup. So. Uh, very much uh, on my on my mind this BN story. So uh, the BN Media Group has launched a tell-all website that features a mountain of evidence against BQUTQ, the but, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, B out Q. B out Q, the Saudi Arabia-based uh, pirate TV channel. Um, the website includes materials where B out Q is based, who is behind it, and who sets out all the detail of all the commercial rights that have been stolen from organizations across the world, sport of entertainment, uh, since B out Q first appeared. Uh, through the 10 encrypted channels, BIQ illegally broadcasts live sport every day, stealing content from every sports rights holder in the world, including FIFA, UEFA, Premier League, La Liga, other football leagues, NFL, the NBA, World Tennis, etc., Formula One, etc. Uh, a significant number of legal cases have been directed uh, and brought against Saudi Arabia for uh, Backing BIQ in December, a WTO panel has been established as an uh, to adjudicate on the BIQ case in October, BN commenced uh, an international investment arbitration claiming over $1 billion in damages uh, against the kingdom on the basis of BIQ. And recently, FIFA, the AFC, and other sports rights holders have discussed that they will be launching legal action in Saudi Arabia very shortly. Um, so, Chris, before you get to your thoughts on this, I've just lived this the last few days. A um, lot of um, there, there was first off, uh, BN and Al Jazeera have been taken off of most of the systems in UAE, uh, where Dubai is, who is hosting the Asian Cup. Qatar, because there's this blockade, economic blockade led by the Saudis and uh, UAE against Qatar, the Qatari uh, national team had to fly to Kuwait and then take another plane, which was not registered to their country from Kuwait uh, to UAE to arrive. And as I said, they, they just kicked off the Saudi Arabia as we're, we're taping this uh, program once 
everybody listens to it, they'll know the result. Uh, but it's a really heated, obviously, uh, match because of all of this and, and the uh, relationship between those two countries. Now, what I had heard the last few days was a lot of complaints about being being taken off of televisions in, in UAE. And there was, you know, it was... Uh, uh, incredible. Just Dubai is an incredible city. It's an incredible place. It's an incredibly open place. Um, and there seems to be a lot of uh, freedom uh, and, and, and just uh, a very Western feel. This was the one um, pushback I got about, you know, how, how wonderful Dubai is and how wonderful UAE is as a host of this tournament is, is being the restrictions on being in that country. And there are uh, people who are pirating streams of BN uh, within uh, in, uh, the UAE to show football matches that you're not able to get if you don't have BN. So um, this thing is, is just got many dimensions to it. And, and as I said, I just lived it the last few days. It's a much more pertinent story to me now than it would have been if this had happened a week ago. Yeah, there's definitely no love lost between Saudi Arabia and Qatar on this one, Kartik. And, and, and it is really, it starts off as a, as a political uh, uh, kind of disagreement, really. It's more about politics, uh, but has re- evolved into this uh, fight over Saudi Arabia. I mean, streaming a lot of these broadcasts uh, illegally, illegally, uh, but, and then th- thus by doing so is actually hurting being sports, which is based in Qatar, uh, which is a Qatar company. So it's uh, really damaging being sports. And no, no, no wonder why being sports has come out pretty strong and pretty heavily about this. Uh, at the end of the day, too, I mean, even for us in the United States, um, some of the the illegal streams are be out queue streams. So even though you might be based in, in New York, Los Angeles, Miami, wherever you are, uh, and you're watching an illegal stream uh, of a game, maybe it's La Liga, maybe it's the Premier League, it could be m- many, many different games. Um, be in sports globally has rights to pretty much all the major uh, soccer leagues. Uh, it could be a be out queue illegal stream, which is coming from Saudi Arabia. Uh, so it, it does get very political. And um, my thoughts to Kartik on this was that uh, Be In Sports was very upset uh, at Serie A this week uh, because uh, Jeddah, uh, host, uh, Saudi Arabia, hosted the Italiana Supercoppa between Juventus and AC Milan. Uh, at the same time that BN Sports and other broadcasters are paying millions of dollars uh, every year to Serie A uh, for the right to show the league on television. I mean, globally, the, the, you know, BN Sports shows Serie A in many, many different countries, not the US, but many, many diff- different countries. At the same time that, that, that they're paying Serie A for it, the Italian league turns around and is collecting money from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, who are promoting piracy and uh you mean kind of almost giving some almost an endorsement to saudi arabia so it's a bad look for Serie A. um it's not good because the italian league should be coming down heavy on illegal illegal streaming and supporting those who are fighting against illegal streaming but what a mess kartik this is this is a big mess i don't see this one being resolved for any you know anytime soon unless uh, unless the authorities come down hard in Saudi Arabia, um, which yeah, it, it takes yeah. time, it takes, it takes time for that. And Syria has gotten enough of a black eye with having the match in the first place after the Kagoshoki killing, and a uh, lot of controversy, a lot of anger in Italy uh, that I, I, I heard about uh, a month ago when. Serie A made the decision to go ahead and still play the match in Saudi Arabia. The assumption was that they would uh, they would move the match 
or they would find a way out of it uh, after uh, that, that brouhaha. Again, that's a political situation like this is. Uh, but it, it, when you're talking about uh, nations like Saudi Arabia and Qatar, you can't escape the politics. We can't escape the politics with uh, the World Cup bid from Qatar. So, um, and, and that was a, so that's another little aspect of, of all of this, Chris, that came up the last few days during the, the Asian Cup, uh, quick digression. Um, there seems to be, even though UAE and Qatar are at odds, uh, the people that I talk to in Dubai seem to have a certain degree of pride in that the World Cup is in that region in 2022, and they're just assuming that this political situation will get straightened out by then. But it's it's been almost two years now yeah. of this uh, blockade against Qatar, and uh, it doesn't show any signs of abating. But uh, and that World Cup is now what only two and a half years away, so uh, we'll see. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see too, Kartik, because FIFA has said that uh, if Qatar wants to go ahead and uh, host the World Cup in 2022 with 48 teams, uh, that FIFA is okay for with that. It's up to Qatar. Can can Qatar actually manage that? And Qatar could, you mean, could reach out to UAE, could reach out to some other countries to figure out if if there's a deal that can be done to host some of these matches in the Middle East to have 48 teams competing. That's quite a possibility. I can't. Yeah. Yeah, just two more news items real fast. Um, the next one up is that uh, industry analysts believe that it'll soon be um, becoming uh, before uh, consumers will have the option to bundle several different streaming services onto one bill. Now, it could be one fee for Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu. That, that could be the possibility. Uh, this is a quote from an uh, industry analyst. It says, uh, bundling is likely on the horizon as consumers may eventually have streaming platform fatigue and will not want to, su- to subscribe to dozens of services separately. Consumers can already get premium cable platforms as add-ons through Hulu and Amazon. So bundling has already started. So, yeah, Amazon Prime, if you subscribe to that and you get the video, um, you can add on Showtime. You can add on HBO to that. And that's something, too, Kartik, that we've seen is um, I think the other day I was trying to figure out how many uh, streaming services I subscribe to for soccer well, and, and for the uh, entertainment, too. But I think it's probably about six or seven. If I could actually pay one bill to have all of those um, – I guess in theory it's 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 better, but my my thing is I'd rather pick and choose what I want, so I can I can unsubscribe from one particular service rather than having to unsubscribe from everything, uh, or if I'm able to unsubscribe from different services from one bill, uh, I don't know I don't know I'd rather pick and choose what I want. I, I'm not the majority, I'm not the mainstream, but for the mainstream this could be very very. Uh, interesting could, could be actually good for them what do you think Kartik? yeah i think it could be very good for, for the mainstream uh, but one of the things that has been a complaint about the cable industry uh, and this is because of congress and the way they regulate the cable and satellite industry is that you haven't been able to do the a la carte cable thing right you know you, you're basically locked into tiers and plans that the cable companies themselves determine uh, one of the beautiful things about streaming is you've been able to mix and match, right? Uh, uh, but I have the same issue where I have six or seven different things I'm paying for uh, a month. And one, I'm not even sure how many things I'm paying for. It's probably like <laughs> six or seven. So in theory, it could be useful. But like you, I'm thinking we might be in a position where um, if they take away the a la carte kind of mix and match features or at least reduce that, it may not be as advantageous for, for people like you and me and, and a lot of people uh, as, as it sounds. 
Yeah, and the bundling though too, it, it goes back to cable. It goes back to probably a same same price point of what we were paying on cable is what a bundled streaming service would be. So it's almost like moving. You mean you mean it's kind of all the chips and marbles from one side to, to the other, and and this is really kind of more of a cable driven. Uh, kind of uh, push rather than I think a streaming push. This is cable companies saying, okay, how can we simplify this? How can we make sure we're, we're not left out in terms of you mean know, everyone subscribing to Amazon Prime? Maybe we add on, give the um, the option to add on HBO and Showtime and these other channels. Um, it will be interesting to see how this one unfolds. But uh, so depending on how you feel, you might feel one way or the other. Let us know in, in the, uh, the the feedback, uh, listener mailbag section. Kartik, one more news item before we move on. Yeah. So um, uh, La Liga's uh, second, third, and fourth divisions will now stream select games for free on YouTube around the world. However, the deal does not include the United States. Uh, select games from Spain's Segunda Division will be available on BN Sports Connect. Also, by the way, uh, does not include Spain in terms of the Segunda Division. Those matches uh, will not be available on YouTube in Spain. But for much of the world, uh, you will now have access to Spain's second, third, and fourth divisions and uh, get to see uh, uh, some, some quality football there. For yeah, free. Oviedo, Real, uh, Real Zaragoza. Uh, there's a few clubs that would definitely be interesting to watch there. Malaga. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, TV ratings. Uh, Kartik, uh, the Spurs-Man United match that was uh, you talked about. You saw it overseas. We talked about it. We saw it over here. Well, the highlights. Um, it's the most watched EPL game in more than a year. Uh, it's uh, the largest number since the Manchester derby in December 2017. Uh, the number of this one was 1.17 million people tuned in to watch it on NBC, SN, and uh, Telemundo. Um, also, a million uh, plus watched uh, Chelsea against Newcastle on NBC on Saturday, uh, and also over a million people watched uh, Cruz Azul against Chivas on Univision and uh, Univision Deportes Network this past weekend. So, so three matches over a million, but uh, the big one of the week was uh, Spurs Man United. I can't take this. Move on to listener mailbag. Uh, David Roberts says, regarding your paywall discussion, I think more of the frustration has to do with sticker shock syndrome. We're paying for so many different services as opposed to one in a lump sum. Even though it's probably the same amount of dollars, it's fragmented now and feel like feel like it's more. And actually, this goes back right to what we talked yeah. about in the news segment about uh, bundling. In David's case, that. Uh, he, it sounds like he would prefer to have one bill, all the things um, kind of together in one package and, and, and paying that and, and having it be fragmented and paying each one separately feels like some people are actually feels like for some people they're paying more. Ritik says, uh, hi, guys, as a DC United fan, I am outraged by the club's decision to broadcast games on a streaming service that myself and many other soccer fans have never heard of until last week. I get that streaming is the future, but surely they would have picked a more uh, reliable and accessible service that shows MLS and many other soccer leagues like ESPN+. I don't think DC United fans would have been opposed if uh, Flow Sports was not a niche player in the soccer world, and the price point of $9 uh, per month for non-season ticket holders is ridiculous, in my opinion. It also comes at a time when the club is attracting more casual fans because of Rooney and success on the pitch, and I honestly don't think uh, them and even some diehards will be willing to pay for Flow Sports. 
we should be grateful that we have Wayne Rooney because he is uh, a reason why we are among the top five teams with the most games on national television. It would have been a complete disaster if the club made this move without Rooney in the squad. Now, Kartik, um, you probably missed it this week, but I think Don Garber had some comments about uh, the deal with Flow Sports. And essentially his spin on it was that um, MLS has uh, people that stream soccer are kind of really younger fans, you know, kind of, uh, you mean, with his 20-somethings. Uh, My argument to that, too, is that the 20-somethings soccer fans, a lot of them are streaming illegally. So this doesn't really kind of uh, address that. It seemed to be kind of more of a Don Garber agreeing with this deal, thinking, okay, it's a good thing when... I think most DC United fans, there's probably very few that think this is a good idea. It's 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 hard to spin this one uh, and be positive, but Don Garber accomplished it, <laughs> which he's good at. Yeah. Uh, Hernan Husto says, uh, when you get the TV ratings for soccer games, those who DVR the games and watch later are they counted as viewers? Because personally, I don't know anyone that watches games live. So, Hernan, good question. I did some research on this one just to check. And Nielsen does have uh, what they call live plus same-day audience ratings, which includes people who watch the programming on DVR that same day. And it also includes the the total average that includes the the number of people who watched it live. So if you are watching games live, great. Um, I think many of us are. But if you are watching them DVR, uh, usually if it's that same day, uh, those do count in the, the TV ratings. So if you have any questions for us, any feedback, uh, advice, uh, want to disagree with us or agree with us, you name it, uh, let us know. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. So, Karthik, uh, what's your travel plans looking for the rest of the week, and when will you be back in the U.S.? I'll be uh, in India the uh, rest of the week, and I'll be back in the U.S. Uh, the following week. All right. So, probably next podcast will be in India, too, then? Correct, yes. All right. Looking forward to it. So, everyone, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, AudioBoom, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. And if you like the show, share it with your friends and on social media and give us a review on iTunes. We'd greatly appreciate it. In Kartik, uh, with a lot of football uh, this weekend from around the world, what should they do? Enjoy your football. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.